This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Idea to Life podcast. This is the podcast for you if you're getting started selling products or if you'd like to create your own product to sell. I'm Vicky Weinberg, a product creation coach and Amazon expert. Every week I share friendly, practical advice as well as inspirational stories from small businesses. Let's get started. Hello, it's just me again this week and today I am sharing a previous released episode with you. There are two reasons for that. Um, Well actually it's really one reason. You might have heard, hopefully you've heard somewhere, that I am releasing a book this month. The book is called Bring Your Product Idea to Life, which probably sounds familiar, and it's all about how to create your products, how to go from idea to product and all the steps involved. So with all that going on, it's been quite a busy time, there's lots to do when you're launching a book, much more so than I anticipated actually. And so um, I haven't had much time to sit down and think about, okay, what podcast episode could I record for you this week? Then at the same time, I realised I had this episode in my catalogue, um, how to create a product in 10 weeks. And I thought, actually, this is a really good episode that ties in really well with the content of the book. The book is not about creating a product in 10 weeks. The book is about taking as long as you need to create your product. However, the steps involved and the things I talk about do kind of match up. So I thought there might be a little bit of synergy there. The book will be out soon and you will be among the first to know. But until then, I really hope you re-enjoy this episode. So let's get going and of course because I'm doing this in order I'm going to start with week one. So week one is about getting clear on your product idea. The very first thing you want to do is define what your product is and who your product's for. And I want you to really take some time to think about this. So what is your product? Um, and rather than just saying, well, it's a towel. Okay, well, what sort of towel? Um, who's, who's, what problem does it solve? Who might buy a product like this? Who's it for? You know, it might, is it for children, but you're expecting parents to buy it? Is it a towel for swimmers? Is it aimed at um, a different demographic? Have a real think about what the, your product is. What's it, what's it made of? What makes your towel different? Are you making a towel that you can change underneath for people who do open water swimming are you making a hands-free towel for mums with small babies have a think through all of this and jot down all of your initial thoughts about your products whether that's how or what it's made of how it works how it's packaged and don't know worry if you don't know the answers to everything now as well so if you know okay I want to create a towel for um, parents with new babies and I want it to be sort of hands-free in some way but I don't know quite how I do it that's fine just make a note of everything that you know right now And as we go through the process, we're going to start to refine it. Also think about what's your USP or unique selling point. 
this can and probably will change when you start to do some research in later weeks but it's always good to get your initial ideas onto paper also think about why you want to create and sell this particular product maybe this is your usp maybe you've been in a situation where there was something you desperately needed um, it wasn't available and you've decided to create it knowing what your usp is might also come in useful further down the line when you start to talk about your product so for example in your marketing your social media posts maybe if you get any press so definitely worth taking the time to think this through you also need to be thinking about your customer. So who is your customer? What problems or concerns do they have? How would your product help them? And a final very useful thing to think about is where your ideal customer shops. So for example, do they shop online? Do they shop in person? Do they shop via social media? Now, are they likely to buy things on Instagram posts? Or do they shop on other online marketplaces? For example, Etsy. Knowing this will also help you decide where to sell your product further down the line. But I should just say, if you don't know this now, do not worry, because this is something you can ask, you know, once next week, we're going to talk about validating your product idea, actually talking to potential customers. So if you don't know where they shop, make a note and we can we can ask people that when we get to it. So that's week one. In a nutshell, it's about getting everything down out of your head onto paper, all of your initial ideas for your product as a starting point. Week two is about validating your product idea. And I'm going to pre-warn you that this is a big week. I think we went in for hopefully fairly easy with week one. That's something you could probably do in half an hour to an hour if you've got a bit of quiet time. But week two, there's quite a lot to do. So there's two stages to validating your idea. The first one is customer research. Knowing who your customer is, is key, which is why we spend time on that during week one. It, re- it helps you to ensure that you're creating the product your customers want, the product they need, and it also makes it easier to be sure you're speaking to the right people this week when we're starting to validate your idea. I should say that I've spoken about validating your product, your ideas a lot. I have a free guide with lots of free ideas and I have a whole podcast episode on this topic. So if validating your product idea is something you want to know more about, there is more information available. If you can't find it, drop me an email and I can send you over the links. Um, But there will be links in the show notes as usual as well. So what we don't want you to do here is just ask your family and friends for input. So, you, you know, you've got a great idea for a product. Um, and of course, we're not saying I'm not saying don't share it with people, but your friends and your family might not be your ideal customer. And asking them can be tricky because you might find that actually they say what they think you want to hear. Yes, yes, that's a great idea. Go ahead. You know, that sounds like a wonderful product. And actually they don't know because they're not the person that would buy it or use it. Or you might find that they go the opposite way and they're a little bit cautious and they put you off and they say, is that really a good idea? Would somebody really buy that? So I'm not saying don't listen to their opinions. I'm certainly not saying don't talk to them about it. But I am saying unless your family or friends, and this possibly won't apply to all of them, you might just have a few family members or a few friends who are your ideal customers. If they're not the person who ultimately your product is targeted at, you have to take it with a pinch of salt. To give an example from real life, when I was trying to validate some of my ideas for my brand of baby products, I had one friend who, and I have to, I should say, I wasn't asking for her thoughts. But I was telling her about my products and what I was planning, and she was saying, "Well, I don't know if people will buy that, and I thought, that seems a bit expensive." And this person I was talking to wasn't a parent, and I'm not saying that means her opinion wasn't valid, but she definitely wasn't the person 
that I was targeting at that time and yeah of course I was still was quite hurt by the feedback of course I was because this was my business and my brand and you know you you only want to hear nice things but I did have to sort of have a little chat with myself and say okay she isn't someone who's likely to buy this anyway which doesn't mean her opinion isn't valid but for the purpose of my research I need to talk to people who you know potentially might buy my products in future so maybe you know some potential customers for your products personally if so great if not go and find them you might be able to find them in Facebook groups or other online or offline groups and once you do find them you need to ask them some questions so you want to ask things like um, have they ever brought a product similar to yours and if so what they thought of it if they have never bought anything similar to your product idea, you could ask them whether they'd consider buying it, what reason they'd be buying it for, and what they'd expect to pay. One of my favourite questions to ask is if you were buying an X, whatever it might be, what would it need to do or be to exceed or even maybe meet their expectations? And you can do all of this without giving away too much because I know that you might not be comfortable sharing all of your product plans and ideas just yet. You don't need to go out there and say, I'm going to sell and whatever it is, what do you think? You can ask all these questions hypothetically and just gather a bit of research. And as I say, a lot of this you can do online as well. So if you, again, if you don't need to be setting up focus groups, you don't need to be walking into a room and speaking to people if that's not your thing you can perhaps find Facebook groups of as I say if your product was aimed at swimmers maybe you can find some Facebook groups with that demographic and maybe check the admin if you're not sure but I can't see anyone would object to you going in and saying I'm just wondering if anyone has brought a whatever it is and can I ask a few questions so the second phase of validating your idea is to carry out some market and competitor research and by this I mean look at other products this is really easy to do online again. You don't have to, this is time consuming, but you don't have to do it in one go. This is something you can definitely do in little trunks. But the key thing here is to keep notes and be meticulous on this. I like looking at Amazon to do my competitor research. And even if you never intend to sell there, because I know you might not, you can really learn a lot because so there's whole range of products on Amazon and a lot of them have reviews for some reason it seems to be a marketplace where people really do leave reviews if you're listening to this and you sell there you you know you might be going really but you know it is it is hard to get reviews um however for whatever reason you do tend to get more there than you would somewhere else if your products are handmade then Etsy would be a good place to look and what you're going to be doing is search for products similar to yours and it might be that your product's completely unique but there's likely to be something comparable or kind of similar and you're going to be looking at those products features um, how much they're selling for you can look at their photos and importantly you're going to take the time to read the reviews because they will tell you a lot if you're short on time um, because depending what kind of niche you're going into that you know there might be lots of similar products on the market already just read the one star and five star reviews because then you get to find out why people really dislike the product and why they really like it and as I said make sure you do keep notes so when I do this I have a spreadsheet I write down the name of the product I include a link to it I write down what the price is and I have a column for what people like what people dislike and the features as well and this will really help you design and refine your own product. So this week is all about data gathering. 
when we get to week three, you're going to write your product specification. So you're going to use what you found out during the last two weeks to make your product the best it can be and write up a detailed specification. And at the moment, this is just for your use. While you're doing this, I think there are two questions that you can give some thought here. One is, how can my product meet my customer's needs? Because you've spoken to your customer, hopefully you've got an idea of what they're looking for. And the second question is, how can I improve on the products already on the market? Because remember now, you know what other products are already out there. You know what people think of them. How can you make yours better? So coming back to my towel example from earlier, maybe you've been looking at similar towels and everyone said, oh, they're a bit scratchy or they're a bit small, or I wish they were brighter colours, or maybe I wish they were more camouflaged, or whatever it is, you can see what people are actually asking for and create a product that meets that need. Also, even if you're making products yourself, I still believe a product specification is helpful because you may still have to source ingredients or components. So if you make candles, you might need jars, for example, and it's always good to have something to refer back to. Of course, if you're you're making something really creative, like art or jewellery or photography then perhaps you work intuitively and you can skip this get I'm going to leave that to you to judge but if you're creating a product that you intend someone else to make for you you really need to do this so this is about taking your initial ideas everything you've learned really taking some time to think it through and getting something down on paper I also think that this week is a great time to make a decision on price I've spoken about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. I'll try and keep it brief. I like to think about what I might sell my product for at this stage for a few reasons. Um, Main one being, in my opinion, I'm most likely to get it right because I've just been looking at the market. So I know what other products are around and I know what they're selling for. I know how my product compares against theirs because I've just done my specification. So I know, okay, all my competitors are charging this, but actually mine's a bit bigger. So perhaps I can charge a bit more. And I've also asked my ideal customers for their opinions about what would you expect to pay for this? Um, and you know, what do you want from the product? I think this is a really great time to think about what your selling price will be. Because the danger of pricing your product later is that you're basing your price on the production price or maybe your time if you're making your product with the aim of making a product a profit, which means that the price you choose might not be viable. If you price your products this way around, when you start to get the price for it to be made, you can see if a profit is possible right away based on the price you've already decided you're selling it for. And if not, if you start getting prices back and you realise actually this product is not going to be profitable, then you can do something about it. So you can look at other suppliers, maybe look at source in other countries, maybe you can tweak your specification. But the one thing I don't think you want to do is to say, okay, well, I can't make a profit unless I sell my product for X amount and then price it so high that nobody buys it. Because remember, people actually, for you to make a profit... You have to make sales. And if, you, you're, if you're pricing your product just to make a profit without thinking about where it fits in the marketplace, then that's, you know, that's, that's a harder sell. So a little word of caution. I do have a whole podcast episode on this, which I will, of course, link to in the show notes, um, where you can hear me, well, basically saying what I'm saying now, but in a bit more detail. But yeah, bottom line is think about the price now. I think it's a great time to do it because you've just done all this research. Really good time. So moving on to week four, this week you're going to prepare your supplier communication. 
you did most of this work last week when you finalised your product specification. So this week is a really good time to put it into an email template you can send to potential suppliers. So I recommend writing a standard email that you're going to send to every supplier that you contact via email. Because even if you are looking at suppliers in the UK and you think, well, I can just phone them up, most of the time they'll say to you, oh, actually, can you send that over on an email? It just saves them writing everything down. Also, if it's in an email, there's no ambiguity. You know, no one can say, oh, you didn't tell me this or I wasn't aware of that because it's in writing. What you want to include in this is everything a supplier would need to be able to quote for your product correctly and accurately without giving everything away. So this early stage, I think that you, you know, you might not want to be sharing designs or blueprints or, you know, whatever your products consist of. You basically just want to be given enough information that you can get a quote. So that might be I don't know, there, there might be a fine line, but I think you, I think you will know. Um, and if you don't know, of course, you can get in touch and ask for help. You might want to think this week about whether you need a patent or any other protection as well, if you haven't thought about that already. Because I think when you're starting to think about how much you're willing to share with suppliers, that might throw things up where you go, oh, actually, maybe I should see um, if I need some sort of protection before I start speaking to anybody. So what I suggest including are the key requirements for your product. So that's everything that's fixed and you won't be swayed on. And then asking the supplier in turn your sort of deal breaker questions. So these might include things like do they handle the packaging in-house because maybe you need to find a supplier who can do packaging for you. Um, You might want to ask about their current lead times because it might be that if they can't you know if they can't work to a certain schedule then that doesn't work for you um if you do ask this it's also worth asking whether there are times of year when this significantly changes because for some products it does and you also might want to be asking about their minimum order quantities because it is quite likely that you know you're going to have a budget that you can spend for this initial product and if they want you to order a thousand that might just not be feasible and it might just rule this supplier out so think about what you're going to what they're going to need from you in order to give you a price and what you're going to need from them to establish initially whether you could potentially work together because the first thing you're going to be doing once you start contacting suppliers is ruling them out and that's how it tends to work you sort of rule them out rule them out rule them out until you end up with hopefully with a couple where you think okay this could work so week five I suggest is a good time to research credible suppliers and then perhaps towards the end of this week start to contact them. If you're doing really well you know if you've managed to get your supply communication done right at the beginning of week four maybe you move on to this a bit sooner but let's say you know you've only got limited time week five is when you need to start your research. The first thing to think about and I'm sure you've thought about this already potentially is where you'd ideally like to source your product from um, and I, by this I mean are you looking at the UK or are you looking abroad um, I do often get asked what's better and I have to be honest it really depends on what you're looking to sell because you can't get everything made in the UK you I suggest that you weigh up the options and maybe even look into multiple scenarios so if your product could be made in the UK or it could be made abroad or it can be made in a few different countries overseas it might be worth looking at suppliers in different locations so that you compare the cost you can get the quality and the lead times obviously depending how much time you have and 
which you know what's important to you because for example it might be really important that your product is made in the UK or if not as close to home as possible um, or actually the most important things to you might be that you can get it for the right cost and those things don't always tie up so think about what's important to you when you're making this decision and remember that this also applies to any sort of components packaging ingredients anything you need for your product so even if you're making your product yourself presumably you are going to need source you know whatever you need to make your product and I think the same things apply my key piece of advice here is to be really thorough you can work with sourcing agents if you want to but you don't have to this is definitely something where I think you can save money and you can do it yourself um the one thing to know is that it does take time um using your networks is a good way to get recommended suppliers and manufacturers nothing wrong with asking around some people will tell you who they work with some won't um but then you no know, harm in asking you also might find someone you know know somebody who works at a factory that does this or that or whatever so enough do ask around i also think there's nothing wrong with google for finding and verifying potential suppliers particularly if you're looking to source products out of china if you're looking in china i always recommend using alibaba um it's a sourcing site i've got episodes on this i won't go into details now but it's good it gets better all the time and it's a good way to find suppliers there But if you're looking in the UK, there's nothing comparable and Google is definitely the place to start. So what you want to do is end up with a shortlist and actually it should be quite a long shortlist. I'm thinking you want for maybe initially 15 to 20 suppliers to contact. And um, yeah, once you've got this list, start contacting them. You're going to use the email template you already created. So hopefully it's just a case of finding an email address on the website, perhaps following it up with a phone call depending where they are and see what you get back um, and one final thing and this is just an aside if you haven't already this week might be a good time to think okay do I need someone to help me with design or branding or anything like that by I'm well aware this is a big week so this may this might be enough for you so when we get into week six we're talking about tracking the responses so I'm going to make an assumption that it took you a lot of time last week to research suppliers it should take a lot of time it shouldn't be something that you do in half an hour because um well if you you might find a really great supplier doing that and if you have that's amazing but in my experience it does take quite a long time to research suppliers that can do what you need them to do um are you know you can verify they are who they say they are and yeah it it can take a while basically especially because I do as I say you really want to be contacting 15 to 20 you could probably find one very quickly but I I do think the more you contact the better one of the reasons being it gives you more choice so even if you contact 10 and all 10 let's say can do what you need it gives you a bit more negotiating power because you're going to get 10 prices to compare rather than two or three and you're going to know um it gives you a better idea of what you should be paying because you might not have any idea I know that I used I certainly didn't in the early days and I found that the more quotes I got the more I got a sense of what the price could be um and you find that you know say you get 10 quotes back you'll find the most fit into a kind of ballpark and then you'll get a few outliers that seem really high or really low which to me is a red flag if you're only contacting two and one's really high, one's really low, you might think, oh, I'll go for that one because it's the lowest without realising that actually that's way too low. And if you contacted a couple more, you'd realise that. So 
yeah I think I went off on a bit of a tangent then but yeah contact lots of suppliers and I would say that this week you should start to receive replies and by the way if you are really ahead of this then well done because this is the part that I think some people can struggle with because it is a lot of work and it is very time consuming and it's possibly something you've never done before and I think it's a bit daunting as well so let's say the supplies are start the replies are starting to come in. I'll also say if they're not, don't panic. It can take a couple of days because you never know how busy suppliers are and how many inquiries they're getting. So once you start getting replies in, I would suggest immediately disregarding anyone who can't meet your specification. This sounds really obvious, but it can be easy to get swayed. I think I've shared the story before that I wanted my baby products to be made of bamboo but when I started sourcing I got lots of people come back and say I can't do bamboo but I can do organic cotton and I did find myself going oh organic cotton doesn't sound too bad but no I'd said bamboo but I shouldn't have even thought about it I should have said you can't do bamboo okay thank you for getting back to me but no thank you I also suggest disregarding any suppliers where communication is an issue so whether that's a language barrier or whether you know, they're simply not being good at responding, you know, you're waiting, you know, a couple of days every time to get a reply, or maybe you feel like your questions aren't being answered, because you're looking for a long term relationship here. And if you feel like there might be communication difficulties from the start, that's not really a good way to begin. So in short, it's time to be ruthless. I am rubbish at being ruthless, but this is one time when I can do it, because it's really important. You might towards the end of this week want to think about ordering product samples depending how conversations are going I suggest ordering two or three samples from suppliers that you feel that you would be happy placing an order with assuming the sample is up to standard because for me the sample is the final thing it's like okay I've got this group of suppliers you know the communication's great they can deliver the product the price is okay the minimum order quantity you know everything's okay now I just need to see you know the product for myself and even if you're just looking for materials or components for your products I still think this is important if you're looking for salt your component it might be actually you don't need to worry about samples you can just place a small order and get the whatever it is you're looking for and, and see what it's like but if this is a custom product you I would suggest a sample um whether that means you need a custom sample or not it, it really depends on what your product is and every case will be different I think only you can know that if I'm honest um so you're going to order a couple of samples and then I think what you need to do is compare them with each other and I should also say if you are ordering a custom sample and it's expensive and you think actually there's no way I can afford two or three because it's a really high price um then I would just order one from the company that you feel you know most like you know the one that you feel actually is the front runner and I would then perhaps compare that sample to similar products at home if I had them or see if I could borrow something from someone or maybe I would order something similar online with the intention of returning it to compare them to just so that you're you know I think it's very hard to look at something in isolation and go is this what I wanted but once you put it side by side it's, it's a bit easier whatever your product is So if it's something that you can use, wear, um, whatever, then do the thing, you know, wear it, wash it, play with it, whatever your product is intended to do, 
do that thing with the sample you receive because you need to see how it stands up to day-to-day use and you need to find any issues before a customer does so if you get a lovely product sample please don't just keep it in the box looking pristine actually use it and check that it does what you need it to do because if it breaks the moment you handle it you need to know that now not when you've ordered a hundred of them so week seven um is about shipping and logistics and i've I suggest you do this this week because it might be actually that narrowing down suppliers and ordering samples does take more than a week so that can be carrying on as well you might be having conversations with suppliers but at the same time you can be thinking about your shipping so if you're sourcing your product abroad in fact wherever you're sourcing your products from you need to figure out how you're going to get them from the supplier to you There is a whole podcast episode on a blog post on shipping products, shipping and importing products, I should say, from abroad, which is well worth a listen as it is a minefield and there is a lot to get your head around. Um, And if you only listen to one other episode, I do think this is a useful one. Um, I do think that you need to think about this before you place your order because the method you use to ship your products will impact on your final product cost and potentially your lead times as well. So, you know, you have to weigh up how quickly do I need this product to be here and how much can I afford to pay to get it here? You need to have an idea of, you know, are you going to pay an import fees and what's, you know, how much is that going to be? Um, How are you going to clear customs? All of this stuff. And I'm not trying to... um, put you off at all here you know that's not my intention but I do feel that you you need to be thinking about this now rather than when you know your products are ready and then they say okay so how are you getting it over and then you think oh I haven't even thought about that so do think about this now um this would also be a good time to think about logistics once your product's ready to sell if you have the headspace to do that now and I fully appreciate you might not but at some point you need to also think about where you're going to store your product when it gets with you and actually if you're looking at your shipping this week um maybe you do need to decide that because you might need to tell somebody where they're actually sending it and the other thing to think about is how you will ship to customers so will you send out products yourself initially will you use a third party it might depend on the marketplace you use for example if you're going to sell products on amazon you might think well i'll send them to an amazon warehouse if you do think that don't send all of your stock there I have an episode on this as well um but you just need to ha- just think this kind of thing through and the other reason to do that is it will all impact on the finances which is what we're going to talk about during week eight this week I want you to check and double check that you've included everything in your costing and you're comfortable with the profit margins So you know what it's going to cost to make your product, you know what it's going to cost to get your product to you, even if you haven't got like exact cost down to the penny, you know, you've got a good idea by this point. Um, I also think you could think about any future costs. So for example, um, let's say you know you're going to sell on Amazon and there's 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 an account fee you have to pay, find out what that is. Um, maybe you're going to set up a website, you haven't done that yet, well, there'll be a hosting fee, you might have to pay for a domain. Find out as many of these costs as you can. Don't worry if you, you know, there's, I was about to say, don't worry if you miss anything because without being pessimistic, it's really easy to forget one thing. Um, but let's, you know, let's not make it a big thing. The biggest cost is going to be the product cost, potentially the shipping cost as well, depending where your product's made and the packaging make sure you have all of those costs if you forget it's going to cost you 
I don't know, £20 a year for a domain. Don't panic about that now. Obviously, if you can include it, great. But if you don't, don't panic. Um, but, you know, think about all these costs. And, you know, are you going to need boxes for packing orders? Are you going to need... How much are you going to pay? You know, are you going to be sending orders to customers and it's going to cost you, I don't know, I don't know how much it costs to pay things, £2.99 an order, for example. Anything you know you're going to be spending, include in a spreadsheet so you can work out, work it out. This might not take you a whole week, I should say, but in my experience, it's a task that can often take people a while to sit down and actually do for many reasons, unless, you know, you've got a real head for numbers. So for some people, I know this is fun. For me, it's definitely not my favourite. This is a task I personally tend to put off for as long as possible, but it is really important. Please, please, please don't skip this step because before you place your order, which we're going to do next week, you need to know you know where you are financially you need to know where your money's going and you need to have a good idea of whether you're going to get any of it back so week nine is decision time placing your order so hopefully now you found a supplier that you're happy with you've agreed all of the terms all the numbers add up and it's time to place your order before doing that i would just ensure you're really clear on everything so for example the product price lead times packaging how the item will get from the supplier to you everything that you know you need to be nailed down before confirming the order and I also suggest having this in writing and even if that's just an email where you email over and say okay so we've agreed x y and z please you know email me confirmation that that you know this is your understanding too whatever it is try and get it in writing because that'll make it easier in the very unlikely event that things go wrong further down the line and so there you go your product's ordered I say there you go I'm aware this has taken us nine weeks and there's been a lot of work but celebrate because it's exciting then week 10 so you might be thinking okay well I've just placed the order you know half work's done well actually there is a lot to do while you wait for your product to arrive two things I think you want to be thinking about is creating a marketing and launch plan because you need to start thinking about okay you've got a product arriving you need to start building excitement for it perhaps you're going to start taking pre-orders there's you know there's a lot to do um you also need to think about how and where you're going to sell your product and start to get prepared you, you know maybe you know where you're going to sell your product but what you need to start doing now is opening up accounts online marketplaces if you haven't yet set up your social media and your website then you might want to do that now and just plan out all of your next steps you will also need to be thinking about writing your product description, arranging product photography. Um, there are lots of things you'll be wanting and needing to do. These are just some of the big ones. Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.